Hi, this is Eric Colser, and you're listening to the Sending and Shepherding Podcast. As a pastor and Christian leader, I have two main roles and responsibilities, to help send Christians out as missionaries to the culture around them, and to shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to me. This podcast is an attempt to do both as a missiologist of the culture that Christians are sent to, and as a shepherd who desires to help teach the church how to think and live out a biblical worldview. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the very first episode of the Sending and Shepherding podcast. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, I am uh, recording these to uh, uh, attempt to help explain uh, culture as a missionary or as a missiologist would do. Uh, as Christians, we are sent out into that culture. And uh, as a shepherd, for me personally, as a, as a pastor, uh, I have a desire to help teach uh, the church, uh, my flock and uh, the church worldwide, how to think and live out a biblical worldview, especially regarding things that uh, come up and uh, what could be uh, gray areas uh, within our world and uh, the current uh, media, music, uh, movies, uh, news items within our culture. And uh, this has been a, a longtime passion for me. And uh, so I just figured this could be another outlet for me to be able to not only get some of those ideas out, but really to edify uh, the church as a whole and for us to be able to share the gospel uh, within the culture, use the culture to, to reach it as well. So I'm looking forward to uh, each week tackling some different uh, topic, whether it be theological or cu- cultural, um, as a missiologist and again as a shepherd uh, to hopefully be able to point uh, you and others to a biblical worldview and all those things and how the gospel relates to it. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the perception of pastors uh, in our current culture and country. Uh, There was a Gallup poll that came out recently uh, that was conducted between December 3rd and 12th uh, with around 1,025 adults, Uh, and it came out a week or two ago, and uh, it said that there was only 37% of respondents that had a very high or high opinion of the honesty and ethical standards of clergy. 43% of people gave them an average rating, while 15% said they had a low or very low opinion, according to that poll that was released a few weeks ago. Um, It noted that that 37%, that very high or high score for clergy, uh, is the lowest since it began asking that very question in 1977. The historical high uh, of 67% uh, that happened in 1985, and that's the uh, President Reagan, uh, very conservative year, so that would make sense to me. Uh, but that score had been dropping below the overall average uh, positive rating of 54% since 2009, it said. And uh, just this year was the all-time kind of lowest uh, response to that. Uh, so I'd love to talk a little bit about that, uh, see if uh, we can, as Christians, uh, in today's world and culture, uh, wrap our minds uh, around that, uh, why that is, and what that means uh, for us. Uh, I'm also uh, uh, kind of reminded of an article that I read uh, just a few days ago. Actually, came from a, a tweet from a, a guy named James K. Smith. He's a philosophy professor at Calvin College. He wrote a book called "You Are What You Love" a few years ago. One of my 
favorite books of that year that I had read. Uh, but he had said on uh, Twitter that he had noticed a lot of people um, pass around the stats in this uh, article and all coming from this book from a uh, lady named Diane Langberg, who had said and tweeted out just under one in three pastors met the diagnostic criteria of narcissistic personality disorder and how this is one of the most destructive and least treatable of all mental disorders, uh, actual psychological disorder. And she had said this is often well hidden behind layers of sacred deception. And she has this uh, book uh, that she uh, published uh, about this specific topic. And and so James uh, Smith had tweeted out um, her tweet about that and had said, seeing lots of people citing this, before you keep doing so, ask two questions. Uh, number one, has this research been subject to peer review in the relevant guild? And what journals did the research originally appear? Number two, why is this appearing from a minor, basically vanity Press, which again are really, really great questions, uh, but uh, another very negative perception of pastors, whether that, that's true or not, whether her research is faulty or not. Uh, there's this perception, and lots of people tweeting that one in every third pastor is uh, has a psychological mental disorder of narcissism. And so, uh, is this true? Yes, I would say it is true. Uh, I've personally seen. Oh, by the way, not uh, that uh, one third of pastors are uh, uh, narcissistic, but uh, I say that this perception, this negative perception as a whole within our culture, is uh, at an all time low. I'm not surprised at that. That is true. I've personally seen that steady decline in perception just even in the last 15 years or so, although I'd say it's been going on for a lot longer than that. Um, I know when I was in Bible college, uh, when I would share with people, uh, when asking, what are you going to do with your life? Where are you going to college? Let's say Bible college, uh, trained to be a youth pastor, going to be a pastor. And a lot of people would shake their heads and say, oh, good for you. You're going to do something great with your life. That's so great that you're helping others uh, in your life. Um, and some of them knew my testimony and, oh, where you came from and how you were back in high school. Oh, that's amazing. That's so great. Uh, but now when I share with people, whether it's on an airplane, I am a natural extrovert. So I love getting to know people, strike up conversations with people. Uh, one of my favorite things to do. And now when people ask what I do for a living, um, what my job quote unquote is, um, some responses I've heard back. First off, I get some eye rolls or just uh, all of a sudden break eye contact. I noticed that right away. Um, I've had some people even kind of give me a little stink eye. And I've had some people that have even said almost right away, not knowing them, or maybe second time meeting them. I remember one particular person. Um, why do you, one person asked, why, so why do you hate homosexuals? Um, uh, people have this perception of automatically going to politics. I can't believe you made your church vote for, for Trump. And uh, there's a negative, all of a sudden, perception when I say I am a pastor. I'm not surprised about that. And again, you go through the last couple decades uh, uh, for years, uh, this perception. Everything from uh, Footloose, you know, the, the pastor dad against dancing and rock and roll. And uh, the uh, most popular cartoon 
tune uh, of all time for adults, at least, uh, in The Simpsons. Of course, there was Reverend uh, Lovejoy, who had uh, some quotes that I remember from watching that in my high school days. Uh, uh, one about, of course, pastors and, and when it comes to money and tithing. Uh, one time he had said in an episode, as we pass the collection plate, please give as if the person next to you was watching. Uh, another quote he had said, just about everything is a sin. Have you ever sat down and read this thing? Talked about the Bible. Uh, technically, we're not even allowed to, to go to the bathroom. I remember, again, in, in high school and working with teenagers and uh, video games, uh, uh, one that was real, real popular was Grand Theft Auto, and uh, one was uh, Vice City, and there was a pastor on there that was like the most hypocritical, um, kind of dirty, most deceptive uh, character uh, in in that uh uh, game uh, movies that have came out over the years uh, like Saved, like uh, Easy A. I know those are like a decade or so uh, ago, but their perception of again Christianity of, of pastors in particular. Uh, I remember that one movie Saved, how cheesy the youth pastor would be doing black backflips on the stage trying to fit in with the uh, the 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 kids, uh, and then behind the scenes you find out he's sleeping with the the, the moms. Um, I mean, we there is a view on pastors, on church leaders as being manipulative, as only after your money, as thinking that they're holier than thou, out of touch with reality, self-seeking, prideful, arrogant, cares more about politics uh, than Jesus. This is a real perception out there. Uh, now, why? Why is that the case? Uh, well, I'd say there's several reasons why. Uh, first off, uh, an obvious one is that our culture has drastically changed, uh, especially when it comes to morality and, and values. Uh, uh, our culture will have uh, morals and uh, some high values on, on some things, but uh, a lot of that now still now differs than what the Bible has to say, and that uh, hasn't always been uh, the case. Um, uh, one could debate and argue if we've ever really started off as a uh, quote-unquote Christian nation, um, but there was higher values and morals that aligned with ours, according to a biblical worldview. Um, I don't think anybody really can deny that, uh, that uh, morally uh, we have uh, definitely declined, and therefore the pastors or church leaders that are trying to uh, still exemplify and, and teach that um, that's going, people are going to disagree with that, obviously. Um, but I'd say even the, the role of the pastor, uh, in our country, uh, in particular towns and cities, uh, has completely changed. Uh, that culture has changed. Um, pastors had, uh, in the past been looked upon as almost not just the ambassador, almost of the, the church, uh, but to the community. Uh, there would be uh, pastors, would uh, uh, churches would be the hub of uh, the community, and uh, pastors, uh, they were doing, of course, weddings and funerals and all such things, uh, not just, again, for the people of their church, but it was looked upon as a community thing. Uh, I was reminded of this because a friend of mine that I went to seminary with who works at a um, a church, uh, a big, pretty big-sized church, 
uh, in this country. And he had mentioned that when you know, when uh, uh, he came to the church, he, he was surprised like a year or so in that uh, they did not do more weddings. It's a big, big church and they did not do more weddings for people outside of the church. And uh, he had mentioned that uh, even the pastor before him uh, had shared with him that... Uh, he had seen decades ago that would be the case, but it hasn't been the case nearly as much where uh, people are going to outside sources to, to find people to marry and bury them. And uh, we're just not looked upon as, as very important in, in such things. Um, even, the, even the roles of uh, caregiving and, uh, again, counseling and comforting, uh, taking care of the needs of people, uh, that has been looked upon as very, very different in today's culture than than previous years and, and with previous uh, generations. And so it's, a, it's sad, but it, it is true. Uh, I'd say uh, uh, another thing that plays into this perception is, uh, and I'm reminded of this uh, from a book I actually just read uh, last uh, in this spring, last spring, um, a book called uh, Bad Religion, How We Became a Nation of, of Heretics uh, by the author uh, Ross Duthod. I think he's a, uh, I don't know if I pronounced his last name correct, but that wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, but he uh, was a, is a very popular New York Times uh, journalist and wrote, wrote a great, great book talking about kind of the collapse of uh, trad- traditional faith within our country and the rise of uh, a variety of kind of like pseudo uh, Christian uh, faiths and denominations, uh, ones that uh, kind of more so stroke our egos, um, that will uh, encourage almost our our our, our worst uh, desires and, and, and pulses, uh, tickle our ears. Uh, so I talked a lot about again the idea of prosperity gospel and and moralistic uh, therapeutic uh, deism and a whole bunch of other things, a uh, uh, liberal view of, uh, of, of Scripture and what that went into, some cultural things, and a whole bunch of different things. But I would say uh, uh, another negative perception is uh, is based off a little bit of, of us, of where Christianity has taken a turn in some of those things and the perception of some of those things to an outside world. Uh, it's one thing where they just, uh, when the world disagrees with what a pastor represents and what he is preaching, teaching, discipling, creating a culture of within his church uh, when it comes to morals and values that you differ on. But it is another thing when you're not even preaching a true gospel and Christianity. And that goes into, I'd say, a third thing, and that is even the scandals that have came out of uh, churches and pastors. I mean, if you really think about it, I don't want to go into details here, but some of the biggest pastors in America in the last few decades experienced moral failure or disqualified themselves from ministry. Again, naming them, but without going into details, but Bill Hybels from uh, Willow Creek, Mark Driscoll from, uh, at one time, Mars Hill, Perry Noble, that was the largest church in America at the time. Tolian, I know I'd butcher that last name, so Billy Graham's grandson, and man, that was just one of the most discouraging hot messes I've had ever kind of read and, and then eventually prayed about. Uh, Pete Wilson from Nashville. I can go on and on with uh, some of the largest, most national known churches, uh, influential when it comes to conferences, books, blogs in the last couple decades, but then even local ones. Uh, and so that that's really going to... 
that's going to do something again to our perception as pastors and as churches uh, with with people. Um, and then you go beyond those examples of uh, evangelical Protestant churches and you go into just the, the most recent scandal, of course, with uh, Roman Catholicism, uh, Roman Catholic uh, priest and, and pedophilia, uh, and especially the cover-up with that. Uh, I can easily dedicate an entire podcast to that alone, uh, but won't. But uh, we would be ignorant or stupid to think that if you really research that and really study up on that and see how that was not, of course, just a local Boston thing when it first became exposed in a country thing uh, here in America, uh, but all the way up to the hierarchy of the, the Vatican, all across the world, how many people were participating in such a horrendous sin and pedophilia, but then it being covered up, documented and covered up, and then those people being sent to other Roman Catholic churches. And again, just do a Google search on it, and it is disheartening. And again, we'd be stupid or ignorant to think that uh, a scandal of that size, even when people, and if people don't know the difference between uh, uh, maybe evangelical Protestants, which we have our own, you know, we have our our own uh, sins and faults and hypocrisy, uh, but to such a national, not national, worldwide level, uh, that is going to give people a very negative perception of clergy as a whole. Uh, I'd say the last thing uh, I would think that that plays a huge part of that would be, uh, of course, uh, politics. And um, you know, you see how that has been. The Gallup poll had mentioned that has been a. Uh, pretty steady decline for the last um, almost, I think, 18 years or so. Uh, but uh, I'd say in the last three, four years, uh, that has taken an even bigger hit uh, because of the political landscape in America uh, right now. And so, um, yeah, that, that, that perception is there. Uh, and obviously, for all the reasons that uh, I kind of mentioned why that perception is there, there's a lot of bad of that, but um, I think God is also sovereign and in control over that, and there can be some good that can come out of that as, as well, and I'll, I'll mention that in a, in a moment, but uh, what should we do? Each time I uh, do this podcast, when I uh, tackle a different cultural subject, theological topic, um, I always want to answer how should we think and live biblically concerning that topic, and what is our responsibility as sent missionaries? Um, so uh, one one thing that comes out of that is what should we do? And particularly if you're a pastor and if you're somebody listening as a, as a Christian, uh, then you should really encourage your pastor maybe to think or, or do this when it comes to maybe that, that, that perception. Uh, but this is what pastors should do. Um, one, remember your identity and who you are really working for. Um, as pastors and as Christians as a whole, we are accountable to the Lord, uh, not people. Uh, this doesn't mean that we completely ignore that perception. Uh, some of that, again, is true, and we need to not only own up that, to that, uh, but repent of that. i get to more of that in a moment. But uh, if it's really hurting our witness, of course, we figure out ways to respond or speak into those perceptions. But when it comes down to it, uh, our identity is not what people 
think about us. And if we have that, <laughs> that uh, the privilege of being the honored kind of person in the community, the go-to when it comes to all those things, yes, there are obviously some great kingdom benefits to that, but we're ultimately accountable before God and to God, and uh, that's who we have to care about the most when it comes to not only what we uh, what he, what He thinks about us, but what we are ultimately doing. And so, if any of those things are true of why people have that perception, and again, the the, the worst and the sinful things, then we got to do something about it. Uh, we got to talk about it. But our identity is ultimately in Christ, and He is who we are accountable to. Uh, two, and this is probably the most important uh, one. But we do need to be above reproach and fulfill the biblical qualifications for what a pastor should be or look like in a church. Um, there are going to be some things within this culture that we're going to have a negative perception because of what we stand for and against, according to the Bible. But I'd say uh, one of the biggest parts of that is uh, us not fulfilling those biblical qualifications. And I say fulfill as in knowing and, and hoping that you know that Jesus Christ is the complete and perfect fulfillment uh, of that. We cannot be that. We are not going to be perfect. We are still going to sin. Uh, we are going to be hypocritical. and uh, But uh, that doesn't take away what the scripture does say uh, about those qualifications in Titus chapter 1 and verse Timothy chapter 3. Uh, and I want to read those uh, real quick as well. First Timothy 3, 1 through 7 says, The saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer. He desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Titus 1, 6-9, If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So we see straight from scripture what those qualifications are. And so I think that we really want to change that, that perception. Are we living those things out? Are we asking the tough questions and getting accountability from our churches on those things? Um, and so that is asking, I will go through every single one of those uh, qualifications in that list, but uh, are we asking, are, are we living uh, above reproach in, in a lot of those different ways? Are we dealing with past issues in a humble, godly, kind of repentant way? Are we, again, husbands uh, of one wife? Uh, do we have appropriate boundaries with, with other women? Um, how do you treat your wife? Uh, is it with love, gentleness, and understanding? Uh, do you speak well of her? Do you not criticize her, especially in front of others? Uh, but uh, I don't mean especially as in like uh, you don't do that at home. But again, are you loving? Are you are, are you pointing out and, and what the scripture has to say where you're loving her, uh, making her, <laughs> uh, making her uh, pure, uh, as it says that Christ does for us. Um, 
Do you manage your own household well? Um, uh, do your children uh, have a, a respect for you and what you're trying to accomplish and do within the home, especially in leading and guiding them in godliness and, and, and love for uh, Jesus? Uh, again, sober-minded, temperate, exercising self can Control, disciplined, uh, respectable, not just getting at home, but uh, with the outside world. Um, are you hospitable, a uh, lover of, of strangers, uh, able to teach and then therefore instructing in biblical truths and um, uh, encouraging others within that, uh, holding firm to sound doctrine. Uh, and so uh, uh, not a, a drunkard um, and not a slave to anything else even. Um, when it comes to being gentle, not not violent, not quarrelsome. Um, are you asking, again, the, the tough questions when it comes to all of those things and as a church, are you seeking or receiving uh, accountability with those things? And we should never expect pastor uh, to be to be perfect, but um, and you look and read, and I'm a uh, love. I'm a student of church history. I, I love it, uh, and you see that <laughs> there has been some very very dysfunctional uh, pastors and people and then church leaders, and that's just us as Christians. We still are going to uh, still struggle with uh, temptation and and sin. Uh, we have a, a very loving, forgiving redeeming God in such areas and ways. Um, but that really is probably one of the number one things that if we do work on seek accountability with high have live above the pro type high expectations with, um, I think that is really going to take care of so much of that, uh, perception. Um, and going into that then, uh, since we know we are going to make mistakes and this is probably one of the biggest thing because, uh, you, you look back and read up on some of those examples of the, the biggest church scandals and moral failures, sadly, you'd probably say, and I'm this is just me kind of speaking off what I kind of remember from a lot of them and praying through them, I'd say more than half of them, you may remember, there was not a sign of repentance, uh, seeking of, of restoration. Uh, for most of them, it was pride. It was shame and maybe disgrace uh, or denial or a justification in some of those things. Uh, disappearance and some people will completely fall away. Uh, not lose their salvation, but wonder and question if they ever were saved in the first place. But sadly, whether or not they are able to be restored in a position of being a pastor again, very rarely you did hear and see of true repentance and submission into restoration, process of restoration. And so uh, that is probably outside of doing everything we can to fulfill those biblical qualifications. We're not going to at times. I'm not. But therefore, I have to repent and we have to repent when that happens. Um, that uh, is so important to repent of our sins and the sins of the church as a, as a whole. Uh, again, this perception is not just for one particular person. This is for pastors all across our, our country, uh, local and, and national. And uh, I repent all the time for <laughs> America's church. Um, and uh, I, I talk about how I'm sorry for not only personal sin, but what we as a, as a church and as Christianity as a whole have represented Jesus so bad in the past and even right now at times. And uh, sometimes we... we <laughs> We, we either justify or, again, it's because of, of pride. Um, 
we think we're going to lose uh, maybe that authority uh, when we say and admit uh, that we're wrong, confess that. But that's the exact opposite of what Christianity is at heart, I mean, and what Jesus asks us to do. And I've seen uh, personally as a pastor and shepherd and counselor the effects of when you don't do that within even the family and, of course, local church situations. Why do we think that's going to be any different when it comes to, again, perception uh, with the world? And so um, repent. Um, And then ultimately uh, still just keep doing what God is calling you to do because in the end, and this maybe goes back into the very first thing I'd had mentioned with identity and remembering who you're accountable working for. Um, and again, who cares? I, I mean, if this perception makes it harder for those who are in ministry, that sucks, but man, others have had it way, way worse. This is not something we need. In fact, as I mentioned briefly, is when I had thought about this over the last week or so, uh, about uh, that perception and how we got there, um, one reason for for some reason I kept on going back to maybe God is using this for the church and for our pastors and Christian leaders for humility and even to protect us from ourselves and and potential pride and big egos that we can develop and the privilege that uh, we could potentially love to have and maybe love, love, love to have in the past when it came to the community and, and everything else. I mean, maybe God is using that for those very specific reasons in his sovereignty. But who cares? There's been times in church history, again, uh, where Christianity has uh, flourished and sometimes in in decline, but even in flourishing where the perception to the outside world uh, wasn't the highest, but God still used that gospel message and we were still called to live out what we were called to be and do as uh, shepherders and uh, and as uh, missiologists. And so so in the end... uh, we need to answer a lot of those reasons why the people have that perception. We have to make sure we're not personally living up to those sinful ways. But who cares? Keep on doing what God has called you to do and trust you to do with the people he has sent you to because you're accountable to him. So that if you look at that world that that uh, kind of <laughs> dis, uh, or dislikes you or looks at you in that way as your enemy, you're supposed to love your enemy anyways, according to, to what Jesus had said. Uh, love your church when you feel like they think of you in those ways. Love those who are lost. Uh, uh, love yourself, not in that kind of prideful, pseudo self-help, weird way, but as the Lord loves you and what your identity is in. in. Um, last couple thoughts on this is... Uh, 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 just remember what the scripture says uh, about pastors, um, about Christian uh, church leaders, um, that what the Bible says that they are, no matter what the, the world says that, that, that they are, uh, Jesus talks about how we are under shepherds. He is the, the good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, but you're an under shepherd. Uh, you're going to serve as uh, 
surrogate parents for many, many people. Psalm 68, 5, 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 16, 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, 7 through 12. Uh, those last couple verses, uh, the Apostle Paul specifically mentions and says how uh, many times those church leaders and pastors serve as that and kind of serve in that role within that. Um, and that you're ultimately, according to Scripture, held accountable for those people's souls that he has uh, sent you to and entrust you with. Hebrews 13, uh, 17 says that. And so uh, so that is that is God's perception of you. That's the most important. Um, and then uh, when it comes to uh, 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 those who may be listening, uh, just regular church members, church attenders, lay leaders, just Christians, maybe even you're a seeker, um, a couple encouraging, hopefully, kind of, thoughts uh, about uh, your responsibility maybe to those pastors and leaders as we're talking about that perception, whether they are true or not. But we do live in a day and age where a lot of people have been hurt by the church in particular with pastors. And so that goes even into Christians or or self-professed Christians' uh, thoughts of of that. And uh, this day and age, of course, we know when it comes to authority, there's a general uh, lack of trust within it, um, a rebellion against it. And so uh, when it comes to a pastor who is an authority and and trusted, again, where I just said they're going to be held accountable for those people's souls uh, as that authority. And so how are you to look at pastors? Well, according to Hebrews chapter 13, uh, first off, verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So remember them. Uh, the author of that, that book of Hebrews says this because we do easily forget things. We get sucked, sucked up into the world uh, and stereotype the whole entire church and those pastors just because of a few bad apples. And we forget the people that God has used in our life at those times. Remember them. Um, uh, but then also it does say imitate them, as it says, and imitate their faith at the very end of verse 7. Uh, there are a lot of things that you shouldn't imitate with, with with me and other pastors, but there are also a lot of things that I do hope you imitate with me and others um, because it is not anything of us, but it was God using it. And so uh, imitate uh, them in some, those godly ways that they have kind of shown, uh, whether it be mission and discipleship and some uh, good kind of qualities and characteristics, imitate them. Um, then in verse 17 of uh, Hebrews 13 uh, through 19, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. And so according to those last couple uh, verses in chapter 13, uh, two other things, obey and submit to them. Uh, That's not a ploy to get you to do what pastors want, uh, but going back to kind of the same point I I made earlier, um, they're accountable for your souls. And um, they don't tell you to give up certain things, reach out to certain people, be missionaries in tough situations just for the, the fun of it or because they're on some type of power trip. It's because they care for you and because it brings them great joy to know that you're fulfilling the calling that God has placed on your life and doing what God created you to do. And if you don't, you are a killjoy. That's what it says right there. You make them groan. Um, and so, again, obey and submit to those things that they are asking from the Scripture and what God is commanding uh, to them. Uh, God will use them. And then, last of all, 
pray for them. You know, I started off with this negative research and the statistics that had came out. And again, that can be discouraging for pastors. And then when I gave the reasons why, even more discouraging, um, but they need prayer. Um, I need prayer and, and pastors overall need prayer. And so pray for your pastors uh, regularly, uh, as it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 18 and 19 uh, to do. Um, they, they are under shepherds in that way, and uh, so. But they 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 need the, the the good shepherd just as much as you. Um, so make sure that you uh, do that. So I hope that this was helpful uh, when it comes to that perception, and uh, when it comes to where we got, how we got there, and uh, what the the Bible has to say about uh, what. Uh, the pastors do and can be used for how to respond with that and uh, pastors what we need to be in light of that perception owning up uh, living out uh, what the Bible has to say so all right until next week thank you this has been the sending and shepherding podcast